And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 206 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly, and I like this one. Andy, 206, that is the number of career saves for Rob Nen. Let's talk a little Rob Nen right now. Ooh, Smoke on the Water. Uh, gotta be one of the top 10 closer songs of all time. Probably top five. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you could make a really compelling argument for top one. Because that is, you know, it's perfect. It's a perfect riff. It's a, it is a location appropriate. I don't know. I, I, I would go, com- I would be comfortable. Like, Enter Sandman's cool. Hell's Bells might be number one. Uh, but I, I, Smoke in the Water has, has an argument. You know, I, I think the good folks at Blaster Jacks are going to have a problem with you. <laughs> Blaster Jacks and Timmy Trumpet and the track Narco. The Edwin Diaz walkout music is sweeping the nation right now. I think that's the flavor of the month. But you know what? Today's today's Narco might be tomorrow's Who Let the Dogs Out for Armando <laughs> So you don't know. I remember earnestly like singing along to Who Let the Dogs Out in 2000 back before it was played out. I really enjoyed that at the time. I, I do want, before we move on, I have to. I've written about this once, but it's buried under years of text. I do want to recount one Rob Ned memory where I was watching him pitch against the Dodgers and I had really good seats and I was heckling. I think it was Raul Mondesi, but I could be wrong. And I was just saying, he's going to throw the fastball. He's going to throw the fastball. And then he would throw the slider and I go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. This time he's going to throw the, the fastball. And then he'd throw the fastball. And I said, I told you, I told you. And he struck out in three pitches and it was my all time heckling peak and I, I miss it so ah uh, well yeah I, I did watch a number of games in the Wrigley Field bleachers in college and um, <laughs> you know a- after you turn 21 you can legally buy beer you, you sometimes buy more beers than you should and uh, so yeah I may have huckled, heckled uh, Barry Bonds uh, Marvin Bernard I remember getting on him the best one was Dante Bichette uh, when the, he was with the Rockies and I, I think I yelled to him, hide the little Debbies, Dante's coming back to the clubhouse. Oh, my and, gosh. <laughs> and, and so then Dante basically pulled out an imaginary wad of money out of his back pocket and started counting it. Like pantomiming, he was counting his money. So Fair. Uh, fair. Yeah. Very fair. Very fair. Decent response. Uh, real quick, uh, what is a weird, cheap Chicago beer that we wouldn't know here on the West Coast? Like uh, old style, probably. It's the first one that comes to mind. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, you, you got Schlitz, you got Pabst Blue Ribbon. Um, I, you know, the good beer is like Goose Island, uh, Half Acre Brewing Company. Chicago's got some some good uh, breweries too. But I think the first one I think of 
uh, that you'd only get, like, get at Wrigley Field is, is old style, which they call it old pile or old stool, and both very much apply. Yeah, I don't think you, f- you find old style here. I don't think you find Schlitz here. Uh, you can find Pabst. I, I do enjoy a Pabst every so often, not ironically, uh, but I'm just sort of stalling. <laughs> ironic. Hipster, hipster ironically, yeah. Yeah, no, I, well, I do I actually have an old-timey Pabst Blue Ribbon uh, beer sign that has, like, home run leaders all time. <gasps> it's like this old-timey baseball-themed Pabst Blue Ribbon, and it's got home run baker with, like, 12 home runs all It's It's a great ad, but again, I'm stalling because I don't want to talk about the Giants. <laughs> right. See, we were doing fine until you actually like brought the self-realization into it that we were stalling uh, yeah. to talk about the Giants. But come on, Grant, they just they just had a five-game win streak. I mean, you know, it, it was I thought it was bleaker our last podcast. This one, at least, we got some wins to talk about. That's true. Listen, the the walk-off home run was uh, an issue for me in the beginning of the season. I was really harping on, hey, they need to do this thing more. And they did it more. They had three walk-off home runs come from behind walk-off home runs in just over a month. They had two come from behind walk-offs within three days, uh, three games. And I was at one of them. Like, I, hey, that's great. I just can't get that freaking Brandon Belt bunt attempt out of my head. In the last two games of the series and dropping a series against the Diamondbacks, it, it kind of like sour. It's it's the, what is it, the poison fruit of the tree, the fruit the Poison tree, the tree's poison. What's that saying? Yeah, sure. Something along those lines. Um, <laughs> I, I I will say that uh, I know not of what you speak because um, I have been a little bit out of the loop. I've been up in Oregon following the uh, high A team, the Eugene team, the last couple of days. So as far as I know, the Giants are still on that winning streak. And um, But yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. I was watching the game in Hillsborough the other day, and the game is playing out in front of me. And I've got the Giants game on my phone. And... They have the pitch clock in this league. It's 14 seconds, 17 with runners on base. Um, and it's like I'm watching the game on my phone, the Giants game, and I've got the minor league game in front of me, and it's every two pitches for every one pitch in a major league game. And I'm like, bring the pitch clock. I am sold on the pitch clock. One game in, I'm sold on the pitch clock. And there was only one, I think, instance where someone was called for an automatic ball. Um, but... Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. Let's bring the pitch clock up because at least if you're going to lose, you can lose fast. Uh, I am something of a uh, pitch clockologist because I wrote a long, lengthy piece about it. I did. I watched a game from, I think, 1985 it was, and I compared it to a game in 2015, and I, I sat there with a stopwatch, and it, it took me a long time to, to chart every pitch between the two games, and the difference was, I thought I was going in there, I was going in there with an open mind, and I, I said, okay, it's going to be commercials, it's going to be uh, pitch changes, it's going to be all the left-right reliever stuff, and it was not. It was just time between pitches. It was uh, just hitters stepping out and just Adjusting themselves one final time. It was pitchers taking one deeper breath. It was just dilly-dallying. It was uh, nothing more. And the pitch clock would fix that. Now, there would be some consequences to that where the velocity increase that's been coming over the years, that might have to do with more time between pitches. It might lead to more injuries. It's It, it might be something of a Pandora's box, but I am all in because that is the problem with longer games. Now, you should um, give yourself some credit because that article that you're mentioning, you wrote, I believe, in 2018 for SB Nation, and you won a Sabre Award uh, for that Um 
for baseball research. Uh, did you not? So that was super cool. I did. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that. It was, I liked that article. It was good. It had a lot of dumb jokes, but uh, listen, I had to I had to listen to a lot of Harry Carey, so I had to include all the crazy <laughs> things he said. Right. Speaking of old style, but uh, or he was a bud man, but something tells me he wasn't discriminating. If there was something that was cracked open near him, he, he it didn't matter what color the label was, but uh, but no, that, I, I think that was really a, a great uh, a service to our whole industry, that piece, because it just debunked a lot of things and cut through a lot of the noise and really did kind of prove um, that, you know, it's just the dead time. It's the time in between pitches. All that stuff adds up, and that is really what has made the difference in making games longer uh, beyond all these other factors that you could kind of, you know, uh, maybe throw out there. So... Um, honestly, that probably has done a lot to, you know, get the game moving in the direction it is in, in having the pitch clock at minor league levels. And you talk to the players, they, they don't really mind it that much. Um, in fact, they, they like a speedier, snappier game, too. Um, and, you know, it, it is a little tough when you have to, um, I guess, regulate how many times a pitcher can step off. And if they've stepped off as many times as they can, then the base runner basically knows that they can get the best jump possible. Uh, it's led to some more stolen bases on some levels. Um, the batter is allowed one timeout to kind of adjust their batting gloves and stuff hmm. uh, per plate appearance. Um, but this is one funny thing. So the clock operator came up to me and he said, man, I'm, I'm glad you're here because um, uh, there's this pitcher, uh, Tillo, that the Giants have. Uh, they picked him up this year and he is actually on rehab assignment and they wondered if the clock applied to him in the high A game because he was on rehab assignment. And the answer was it does because he's on rehab assignment from the AAA roster and not the major <laughs> league roster. But if he was a 40-man guy uh, um, on rehab assignment, um, then the pitch clock wouldn't – it just would be turned off for his uh, plate appearances. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's wild. So you've got uh, – you're sending down, uh, let's say, Matthew Boyd, if he were still with the Giants. He's down there and he's rehabbing. He can just dilly-dally and pick his nose and do whatever he wants. Yeah, basically. So, you know, um, yeah, good good, good for, for being on a 40-man roster. It comes with fringe benefits. Um, I read your Marco Luciano piece. I really enjoyed it. I, I get the sense that he is kind of uh, – how do I put it? Uh, good dude, like a fun dude, a happy, fun, good, lucky guy. Like, honestly, like I just, I get good vibes. Like you don't come out and say, here's the good timey vibes prospect, but I, I kind of get it with what you're writing. You know, it was really striking. I even said to him at some point, I said, I've never seen you so like loose and happy. He's just happy to be back. And, and, uh, you know, he's got a lot of friends on this team. Um, you know, Matos, uh, Pomares, uh, uh, Toribio, um, you know, uh, he mentioned uh, Pat Bailey. Um, so, you know, it, it's just fun for him to be around the guys again and to feel like he's back on track. I mean, he missed two months uh, with that lower back injury. And this is after he had to, you know, uh, miss a whole year of development and be at, at the alternate site in 2020. So the last thing he wants to do is to miss game reps. And he was putting together a pretty darn good season um, on a level where he struggled initially last year before he really got it going in the playoffs. So I think he felt that he was starting to gain some some real traction and uh, and probably would have been in position to be in double A by now. Um, and, and then obviously you're knocking on the door of the big leagues and and, uh, and it's his goal to be in the big leagues next year. So um, but, so for him just to get back on the field uh, and, and you know with with his buddies and and feel like he's 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 making progress again, you can tell. Uh, he was just lit up 
And, uh, you know, he's, he's more comfortable doing interviews now. He's, he still does use a translator, but, um, you know, just talking to him informally, um, you know, he definitely understands the questions and, uh, and he's able to converse in English as well. So I was able to make some small talk with him. And, um, I mean, he's just, he's so talented and he's made a lot of strides on the defensive side. Uh, and if he can come to the big leagues as, you know, a league average shortstop defensively, I mean, that just takes his value through the roof as a guy who, you know, can really redirect the baseball. So still a lot of work, a lot of development, a lot of pitching he hasn't seen yet. And I mean, anybody who's seen him pit, uh, uh, try to hit big league pitching when he's been, um, you know, filling out rosters in spring training games knows that he's got a lot, a long way to go. But um, it'll be fun for him to go to winter ball. He's really excited about that too. That's something that really hadn't been reported yet. So a little tiny scooplet in that story uh, that the Giants have given him clearance to, to be there for at least a month. And um, yeah, I mean, he's he, he heard the Juan Soto rumors like everybody else, but you know, who knows? Maybe it'll turn out to be a good thing that um, you know the Giants didn't really have the pieces to make that deal, and and they've still got those pieces in the system. And, and Luciano's probably the, the 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 biggest one. So um, so it was good to catch up with him, and and now I look forward to seeing uh, Von Brown and and um, you know some of the other guys they've got here. The winter ball thing was fascinating because I didn't realize. Uh, that they have a draft. These Winter League teams, they have a draft. And it's you can't just say, hey, you're on our team now, but you have the rights to this player if you draft him. And he was not just a first-round pick in that draft. He was first overall. That team really wanted him. And that's back when he was like 19 or something. It's He's just so highly thought of. And I remember... I've seen a lot of chatter on the internet, which is my first problem, but also, hey, where is he? How come he's taken so long? How come he's moving so slowly through the system? And first off, he was 17 in his minor league season before the pandemic, and then there was a pandemic, and then he was 19 in 2021, and he's 20 this year. Uh, he's doing just fine. He's moving up just fine, and he's hit pretty much at every level. He might struggle when he moves up a level, but uh, he readjusts and he ends up hitting. He's right on track. Yeah, and and it's I think it'll be really good for him to play in winter ball. Um, it is it was a mega draft because they didn't have one in 2020 mm. uh, because of the pandemic, obviously. So so this was really two uh, years worth of eligible players to be drafted. So it was like a it was almost like an Oreo cookie draft. It was like a wow. one stacked on top of another, and 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 he was still the first player taken. So I mean, you had Noel V. Marte, you had a bunch of other you know really highly thought of uh, international players that uh, would have been eligible. And, um, and yeah, Marco was 1-1. And the guy who was the GM for Estrellas is um, Felix Peguero, who is, you know, who has worked for the Giants. His father, pa- Pablo Peguero, was a longtime director of Dominican operations. So they know they know the guy. They know him very, very well. And um, and that was Fernando Tatis Jr.'s team. And he, he, hmm. was, uh, he played for them in, I believe it was 2019, when they won for the first time in over 50 years. They're like the Cubs of the Dominican Winter League. And, uh, and Tatis just burst on the scene and, 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 and had just an awesome, awesome winter ball. So who knows? Maybe it'll be the same uh, kind of launching pad for, for Marco. The Giants would be thrilled if that's the case. Uh, if they, if he happens to get the same locker and there's some sort of edible or food in there, (laughs) do not eat it. Do not eat it, Marco. Leave that alone. No, I, I do think that, hear me out on this, uh, a good piece of podcasting content would be the Bags and Brisby podcast 
on the road in the Dominican watching one of these games and we can watch it and then talk about what we saw. We could uh, plan it at a, a bar, maybe a hotel bar afterward. I, what do you think? So our, our boss, Melissa Lockard, was mentioning that uh, one of our uh, writers might be in the Dominican uh, this uh, this winter. And uh, I said, well, you know, if she doesn't make it, uh, just, you know, send me. Hey, why not? Let's go. We, we can we can. Uh, we could make a, a whole trip of it. I'd, I'd love to go. I've, I've never been to, um, I've, I've obviously seen Mexican League, um, but I've never seen uh, Dominican Winter League or, or, or Puerto Rico. I would love to go someday. I honestly don't know if I've seen, let me think. I don't. I have never seen a baseball game outside of the United States. The closest I came was when I was a kid and we went up to Vancouver and it was for the World's Fair and we're in a, a hotel in Vancouver, maybe even Victoria. And we turn on the game and the Giants just happen to be playing the Expos. And my mom was thrilled. And she turns it up and goes, yes, the Giants game's on. And it's, <laughs> and, yeah, and she was just crestfallen because she thought that she had hacked the system. And, uh, you know, it's still fun to, to watch a baseball game in French. But boy, was that not what we were expecting. Johnny Lemaster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The World's Fair was probably 84. 480. I don't know when it was, but it so it, it probably was like Bilaski. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Gary Lavelle. Uh, uh, yeah, but we should go to the Dominicans, what I'm saying. And if uh, listeners were to send like copious emails, maybe tweet at some people above us, uh, it might happen. I don't know. Like a letter writing campaign. At Melissa Lockhart on Twitter. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, let me think what my international experience would be. So um, I've seen, obviously, uh, I got to cover, I was covering the Dodgers when the Expos still actually played in Montreal. So I got to see a game at Stade Olympique. Um, <laughs> I got to cover a Giants Expos series uh, when they were sort of the Vagabond Expos and they played in Puerto Rico. Uh, mm. So I got to cover a series at here on Bithorn Stadium. Got to cover two games out of three. The third one, there was a torrential rainstorm. Um, but JT Snow hit, I think, two homers in one of those games. Uh, as I recall, and Henry Shulman won a, a, a gift basket of like eight bottles of rum at the uh, the, the the party <laughs> that they held for for all of the baseball people at the uh, by the rum association. So I think Henry probably still has some 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 of that rum in his, his closet. Um, and and what else? Uh, let's see. I've, I've seen a couple of games in Mexico, but not major league games. Although next year the Giants, I think, are playing in Mexico City. Hasn't been announced yet. Uh, really? In fact, this is usually around the time that we start to see the prototype schedule leak out. Um, so, and, and it's going to be a super interesting schedule now that we're moving to a more balanced format. Right. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that schedule coming out and, and seeing where, uh, yeah, where, where, where officially, um, if they're going to be in, in Mexico city or not, because it sounds like that's, uh, that, that was pretty deep in the works to happening. But with the balanced schedule, you get fewer Giants Diamondbacks game. Maybe consider that. Um, you get one fewer trip to Coors Field. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Real quick before we move on, I, I want to point out that at one point, SB Nation was a little bit more free with their travel budget. Uh, they sent David Roth to Dubai and had him do a piece there. But I missed this era. I wasn't really traveling at the time. And my idea was to go watch. There was an Italian baseball league team. And I, baseball reference is down right now, so I can't pull it up. But they were something like... Three and 72 or like it was something like that over a span of years they had just this abysmal record uh, unbelievable it worse than the Washington Generals and I, I wanted to go out there and watch a game and talk to the fans and uh, it just didn't happen so uh, I don't know that that's one of my great professional regrets sorry sorry to, to bum you out no oh, well you know there's there's still time there's still you the, the bucket list uh um, there's still time to, to cross those things off. Um, you just have to have hope. Happiness is having something to look forward to. That's what somebody wise said, and I think that's very much true. Uh, I'm not looking forward to talking about the Brandon Belt bunt, but I feel like we have, <laughs> we have to get back to that. Okay, so I am up to speed on what happened. I, I still don't know if I fully understand why it happened, but I love that you actually really went into the math, and there is a mathematical case to be made for why Brandon Belt bunting with two strikes and two runners on down five runs uh, was not a completely boneheaded play. Can you take us through that? Yeah, I could not believe that because I was thinking, gosh, I wish there were some way to to figure this out. And I was uh, at the time I was driving my kid to, to school or back from school, actually. And I was thinking about it and I was thinking about it and I thought, wait a second, there is. Baseball Savant tracks all this stuff. And I was able to do the math in like five minutes. But it turns out it's a good percentage play. It really, really, really is. If there weren't two strikes, it's a great percentage play because Brandon Belt, when he puts a bunt in play, I think his average is what, 638 is what I found. Uh, that is fantastic. Or no, 684, even better. That's fantastic. But if you add in all the missed bunts, all the foul bunts, because it was a two strike bunt, it's still a 302 average. You will take that every time. A chance, a third of a chance to get a single is great in baseball terms with two strikes. But if it doesn't work, it is the worst look. And I don't want to dive into optics too much. And maybe that's our problem and not his problem. But boy, it just, it rankled the fans. I could tell that they were furious. The Twitter was not happy. And I think this is one of the few times where uh, Twitter mirrored real life. Uh, Dwayne Kuyper could barely say a word. And Mike Kruko just went, wow, before the break. It was really, really hard to watch. So I think that's the risk. And it's a very real risk. And Zach Gallon, the pitcher, was like laughing on the mound. Like, okay, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. You know, right? I think you. I think I. Does that come with a twenty-five dollar gift card to Olive Garden? I think you just did me a favor here. <laughs> um, 
but but yeah, you know, it's I think it's 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 one of those plays where you know what would you rather have Brandon Belt take a swing and try to get you within five to three? I mean, that's the opportunity cost of of, of that play. And you know, I, if if you're a Giants fan and you were upset when Brandon Belt you know took a borderline third strike, just you wait what he's got cooked up for you next. Um, I you know I I agree. I think it, this to me is a classic case of overthinking. Of mm-hmm. overthinking it. It's like, yes, I, I can justify this. This makes sense from a quantifiable standpoint. Um, you know, for, mostly what it says is he didn't feel comfortable that he could get, yeah. you know, a, a hit or drive drive the ball against this guy. And Zach Gallant's a good pitcher, but, I mean, you're not facing DeGrom up there. So, you know, that's the part that's a little bit distressing is it shows that he just doesn't have a lot of confidence up at the plate right now. But, you know, if you really are going to dive into it and say, you know, the math bears this out, I would say this is just that's a classic case of, of overthinking it. And you know what? I, I will bring up uh, an analogy from my own baseball life and something that I would like to have back. And this is my own mea culpa. If there are any Mets fans listening to this podcast, um, please get out your uh, um, uh, whatever uh, pitchforks and and, and, <laughs> and torches because I'm about to have my moment where I, I I I I welcome it, bring it, bring it all at me because I voted for Mike Soroka. <laughs> over um, Pete Alonso for the Rookie of the Year in what was that 2019, and I was the only guy who didn't vote for Alonso. Uh, it, it was it would have been unanimous, and he won the award. He would have won the award with me or without me. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. But I really looked at the numbers, and that year it was a record number of home runs. It was just an obscene amount of home runs. And yes, Pete Alonso hit like more home runs than any rookie ever. But Mike Soroka was the best pitcher in the National League at home run suppression. And, uh, and I, I tried to look at every comparable, every value-based stat that can, um, you know, compare a position player to a starting pitcher, which is practically impossible. Um, and, and I talked to Eno Saris. I talked to a lot of people on our staff. and like, is this – am I looking at this in a, in a dumb way? I mean, Soroka looks like he was more valuable to his team than Pete Alonso was. And, 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 again, I could make the numbers bear it out. Not where I'm cherry-picking him, but I'm really looking at them objectively thinking – yeah, you can totally make a, a case for this. And um, I just thought it was more impressive for someone who was going against every trend in the game uh, to be successful at his job at a time when it's harder than ever to do that than somebody who kind of, you know, rode the wave. And obviously, um, Pete Alonso did more than ride the wave. He basically, you know, um, he had 50 plus home runs. And uh, <laughs> I remember John Heyman had a tweet where he said, okay, you know, I respect it, but I think he just overthought it. And you know what? I go back and I look at it in retrospect. That's exactly what I did. I think I overthought it. And uh, and that's sort of, I don't know why that, that came to me, but that was sort of <laughs> what what I equate to this Brandon Belt situation. It's like, you know what? Yeah, you can you can make a case for it statistically, but come on, man, we're overthinking it. I don't, you know, you told me you were going to do that. And I looked at the numbers and I looked and I looked and I said, yeah, you know what? I, I don't know. I really was surprised by the blowback. It's not as if he had an ERA in the fours. He had a 268 ERA. He made 29 starts. He led the league in lowest home run rate. I don't know, man. Like, I get Pete Alonso hit big boy dingers, but uh, Soroko was really good. So I was surprised with the blowback. You tend to you tend to get some blowback on your awards votes. Maybe, what are you, a contrarian? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I the, Where I get the blowback is because I, I throw my 10th place vote uh, to someone who's a little non-traditional when I have an MVP ballot, which I don't this year. I have Cy Young. Uh, so, you know, get ready to take, get all your spicy Cy Young takes. All you Sandy Alcantara apologists out there, um, you know, what am I going to do? But no, um, uh, 
I, 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 I do think that, you know, when you get to the 10th place on an MVP ballot, that's never decided the MVP. And, uh, um, you know, so if, if Lamont Wade Jr. was like fourth in the National League in, in win probability added, even though his counting stats don't really stack up, yeah, I'll throw you a 10th place vote. You know, I've, I've, I've given it to uh, non-closer relievers who've had tremendous, tremendous seasons. I remember I gave a 10th place vote to Jeremy Affelt one year because he gave up like one homer and he threw like 84 innings with a, with a 1.5 something ERA or something like that. So um, those guys don't have an award. So this is just one little way that you can throw a little recognition to them on their baseball reference page. You follow the line all the way over and you'll see they got an MVP vote. And, um, you know, I... I I don't know if that's something that everyone should do, um, but that's just the way that I, I think is is a nice little tip of the cap, um, and, and it really is harmless. And, and people get so upset about that. <laughs> about uh, how how could you you could uh, how could you leave off you know Paul Goldschmidt uh, when um, uh, you know how could you leave off you know this guy or that guy? They objectively were more valuable. I'm like, well, yeah, they were, <laughs> but we're talking about the tenth place vote. So um, you know, uh, it's it's. Uh, it's, it's my prerogative, and I know it's a little bit different, but, um, you know, it, this is baseball at the end of the day, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're supposed to be uh, enjoying ourselves. I always thought it was fun, a fun little Easter egg. I don't mind when people do that because, like you said, it's, it's not going to make – if you're throwing a 10th place vote and you're leaving off someone uh, who's having an MVP-type season, that's a bigger problem, and it's not going to be affected by the 10th place vote. So, uh, listen, I don't know, but I do have to ask, how do you know that you're voting for the Cy Young this year? Because did you get an email? Because – do I not have a vote this year? Um, I, I don't know. I did just get an email, I think, within the last day or two um, from, uh, uh, hmm, yeah, where did I get it from? I think it came from Jack O'Connell with the BBWAA. My stars. My stars. I was so proud to have a, a Rookie of the Year vote last year, and uh, I voted for Frank Schwindel uh, for third place, and only one other person did that. I, I, I thought there would be a blowback for that, but no one cared. No one cared. No one, no one still cares. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it is funny. I mean, they, they, they sort of assign voters, you know, way before. And obviously, we're, we got a lot of season left to go. So sure. sometimes you don't know whether it's going to be a rubber stamp vote or whether it's going to be one that's really going to uh, inspire a lot of debate. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, who, who's the AL MVP this year? I, I kind of feel like you give it to Shohei Otani every year at this point. Um, he, he's two people in one. So, um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's uh, it, it, some of these awards will will be pretty. Um, uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion around them, and, and other times they're they're absolutely you know easy, and you, you don't need to spend more than two seconds thinking about them. Uh, so, you know, right now, Sandy Alcantara looks like he'd be pretty easy Cy Young, but I haven't even begun to look at, uh, at the names, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's going to be hard to imagine. I wonder if Joey Bart can make a sneak, uh, sneak run for rookie of the year at this point. Who knows? My gosh, we haven't talked about Joey Bart. Maybe we have to do that next time because we're running out of time, but he's looking really good. He's looking just really, really, really good. And he's becoming one of the best stories of the season. And I was not expecting that. I was really 100%. I don't want to say I was writing him off, but I was writing him off for this season at least. I just thought too much swing and miss, uh, too much in his own head, too too much too soon. Let's see if he can fix it and come back a, another time as a part-time catcher. He's he's looking like a guy, like a like a future all-star almost. He went down with a 596 OPS and now it's up to 718. He's hit, let's see, 300, 304 since then. He looks like a guy. Yeah, you know, I was just talking to 
uh, the former Giants Southeast uh, cross-checker, uh, Mike Metcalf, and he's now with the Tigers. Um, I was talking to him about another player, but he was, you know, the, the cross-checker on Joey Bart. Uh, his last year, his last draft was 2019, and everybody in that scouting system is just ecstatic at what uh, Joey's been able to do over the last couple of weeks, and I think uh, they feel very gratified because they saw they saw him doing this stuff at the big league level, and, um, you know, it, one of the things that we talked about uh, when I was on the phone with, with Mike was, you know, you're coming up as a catcher. You are replacing Buster Posey. You are have to learn a billion data points about a billion different arms from one day to the next. You were robbed of a year of development at the alternate site and basically were thrown into big league games you weren't ready for. You are being used by an administration that didn't draft you and you're not quite sure what they feel about you sometimes. Um, you are getting a fire hose of information uh, every single day. It's probably harder to be a young catcher in the big leagues now than ever before with everything you've got to learn, doing pitch comm, being a leader, you know, and oh, by the way, you've got to compete at the plate and you're the second overall pick. So we expect you to hit 30 bombs a year. It's, I mean, when you, when you really put it that way, you understand how, how big that fire hose is that he's had to drink from. And, uh, and you know, he's, it, it's taken him some time, obviously. And, and it's, uh, there've been a lot of, uh, downs and a lot of, um, you know, difficult, uh, frustrating moments to get through, but he took a step back, he took a breath and he got back in there and, and I, you got to give him a lot of credit for, for, uh, you know, keeping the attitude that he's had. And, um, I think the pitchers all really appreciate what he's been able to do for them this year. And, and yeah, good for him. He's, he's come through the fire quite a bit. It was wild after the 2019 season when Buster Posey had a 688 OPS and he was looking like he was on his way down. And there were a lot of, there's a lot of clamoring like, Hey, it's Bart's time. Let's get Posey out of here. It's Bart time, Bart time. And man, did that work out in like six different levels in the funniest way possible. But, uh, two years in it, it's looking like, okay, Three years in, yeah, it might be Joey Bart's time. I don't think the Giants are going to spend the offseason looking for a compliment to his game to, to take 60% of the starts behind the plate. I think he's the guy now for the next few years if he can keep doing what he's doing right now. Yeah, and this is – I was thinking about that quite a bit because I came up to see him in Salem-Kaiser when he was playing short season ball. Of course, the Northwest League was a short season league then, uh, and now now it's not. It's uh, the six-team high A league, and this is my first time up watching minor league ball in Oregon since then since I went and saw Bart um, at Salem. And uh, so, yeah, I've been reflecting on that quite a bit and, and um, you know, just how, how far he's had to come and, and what an interesting road he's had to travel. So, um, yeah, you know, he's, he's obviously uh, a leader of his staff right now. And, and like you said, I, I don't think you're contemplating, um, you know, making, making changes. And now if they can polish up, you know, Patrick Bailey and, and, uh, and Suga State and some of the other catchers in their system, then you're, 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 uh, you're you got house money and you can, uh, you know, I, I could either spin them off to somewhere else or, or, or have them come up and, and you have multiple catchers on the roster. Uh, so that'll be the next thing. Joey Bart gets to have his own career without us constantly mentioning Buster Posey. Uh, that's only fair to him. But I just want to point out one thing where it, what he's doing right now, what the struggles he had and how difficult catching is, it really makes me appreciate that Buster Posey had like 130 minor league games as a catcher, then came up and won a World Series with, a, that is, you're never going to see that again. It makes me appreciate it so much more that is so freakishly Shohei Otani-like rare that we're just not going to see that. 
Buster Posey, good player, good player. Yeah, I think we should devote a podcast to that. All right, we are out of time. That is, what is this, 206, episode 206 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. We will be back on Monday. I don't see anything conflicting on Monday. Do you, is that what you get, Andy? We will be back at some point on Monday. That's on Monday. All right, well, we'll be back then. Thanks for listening, and we will see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.